0: This episode is dedicated to all you boys and ghouls out there looking for love in all the wrong places. For those of you calling all the time and building shrines with devious plans and windowless vans, we offer you Boys and Ghouls Episode 58 all about those people who need people those strangers in the night, with their endless love, and their love, obsession. You want to see something really scary? They come from the bowels of hell, a transformed race of walking
1: dead. zombies, exploding heads. Psychos, fanatics, murderers, nutcases. How do we all agree that what we are dealing with is
0: vampires? I know that one of you is a werewolf. Ain't nothing but dead fool. I want to kill you. You undead my mind. Mind. you ever talk to a corpse? corpse? Satan is our pal. It's boring. Throw the Not the third switch! Give my creation!
1: I get what you're doing there. You're talking to me.
0: Yeah,
1: Catman. I'm Catman Crothers because my name's Cat.
0: You just worked your way out of getting a nickname. Um, we haven't really touched base much since the holidays. No. Do you have any spooky gab?
1: I was kind of hoping you did because I'm. I don't know if I do.
0: That's all right. You can assist me on this one. Cat, uh, what can you tell me and the audience about HH Holmes?
1: Uh, an awful lot. We probably don't have time for all of that. Most of the information of which I gleaned from two sources. One, the last podcast on the left series about H.H. H. Holmes. It's a podcast, and they did a three or four-parter on him. Really okay. great. And I also read The Devil in the White City, uh, which is fantastic book, nonfiction, about H.H. H. Holmes. And it kind of pairs his story with this architect who was helping design the 1893...
0: What you didn't say was... How he, like, built this hotel that was just a giant death trap. Yes. Like, literally... He would trap people there.
1: Oh, he had chambers that were sealed off so he could put, like, lethal gas in there. He would pour acid on the floor and then lock a woman in the room and her feet would burn off. He performed illegal abortions on women and then left them to die. There were a lot of really gnarly things that happened. And And, and he took advantage of all the influx of people coming into Chicago during the World's Fair. Fair.
0: Not just to go to it, but people who came there for jobs.
1: Absolutely. And because there were so many people, the police force in the area absolutely could not keep track of all these people from out of town who were just disappearing off the face of the planet.
0: The law caught up with this man in Philadelphia, where he was tried and convicted for one of the murders, but not, like, that actually occurred at the hotel that he had built. Right. I also read Devil in the White City and found out he was buried in Holy Cross Cemetery in Yaden. And I'm like, the what? Because that is right near where I'm from and where I went home to visit for Christmas. So, um, with my sister, who enjoys true crime, as much as you? I, I would think say. she does. Yeah.
1: She and I have spoken at length about it.
0: So, during my visit home for the holidays, we decided to have a uh, a brother sister day and head out to visit the unmarked grave of H H Holmes.
1: Do you know why it's unmarked? Is it because people might have defaced it?
0: I believe so. Yeah. Like, well, defaced or like dug up his body to show at a carnival? Ugh. Yeah. I think is is that. That was a, a thing. thing that went on then. Yeah. Yeah. I'm showing uh cat photos now. Going Through my Christmas photos, that's me getting my hair cut with my dad. Cute. Here are the I got my uh cousin's kids a tea set. There's Jen, there's me and Jen in a graveyard. Now, if you go, there is a rather well, one, it's a just it's one of those, it's like a fully stocked cemetery. There's all these statues, wow, like forlorn looking nuns. There's that jagged tombstone, it's like the top third is missing and it looks just like a, a chipped tooth. That's a good indicator that you're in the right spot. So it's that. And then there's like two plots, which sort of make up his final resting place. So the
1: average person visiting would know nothing of him being buried there. There's no marker, but, the, no, no but marker. the internet resources tell you.
0: The internet gives you latitude and longitude. So in this day and age, you just tap those into your phone. Yep. And just go this way. And then you get there and you're just at an empty patch of ground. But because other people visited and taken photos, you can see that one jagged That tombstone lets you know you're in
1: the right place.
0: That lets you know you're in the right place.
1: Wow. So, and is it, uh, it seems to be an appropriately kind of spooky cemetery.
0: It was raining that day, too. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And then I th- there's a boys and ghouls uh, business card <laughs> on the final resting place. Wow. I didn't know what to do. Was like you stand there and you go, yep, he was crazy. So a
1: picture of me made it all the way to H.H. H. Holmes' final resting place.
0: Yeah, I didn't leave it there, though.
1: yeah. But it, it it, I visited.
0: Paint. I left a couple of pennies. That seemed like a thing to do. And then I turned back. I was like, ah, a riding mower is going to go by and just spit the pennies out. And my sister was like, come on. They're fine. <sighs> and then uh, that's really the end of uh, of my spooky gab.
1: That's pretty good.
0: Thank you. Um, I knew you'd like it. All right, give me a I'm a few minutes left and no ring, no nothing. Wait a minute, fellas. Here's the ring. How do you like that? Get up. Okay, partner, we're
1: ready for the kickoff. Uh, join hands, you lovebirds.
0: You're about to hear some of the most romantic music ever. Music that'll make you fall in love all over. Imagine owning the world's greatest love songs. Twenty full-length hits by the original artist can be yours today only through the special TV offer. Orlando, and I'm proud to introduce the biggest and best collection of 70s love songs ever. If you leave me now, did you happen to see the most beautiful girl in the world? I fell in love with you. In a minute, folks, we're going to tell you how you can own all these beautiful songs. But now, let's just get back to the music. The passion of rock,
1: the power of pop and songs that express true intimate feelings and you have the unforgettable sound of rock and romance.
0: Hey folks, we are covering, how did you put it to me? Just love, obsession, in horror?
1: Yeah. I, I, which, and, and, which
0: mostly, the, all the greats usually fall under thriller.
1: I'm gonna, and I think we'll have to have a short conversation about that, thriller slash horror. But let's just put it this way, the notes in my phone where I was researching all of this are titled Obsession. In all caps. Okay. I think that encapsulates it. But yeah, yeah, specifically so romantic obsession. Or
0: derived from romantic obsession. Yeah. Because we talked about some other stuff, and we are like, yeah, but that person wanted to sort of be that person. You and I try I, to I narrow it, it down when we come like, to
1: Boys and Girls topics. They want
0: a reciprocated love. Yes. From that person, yes. specifically. And, and that's what we're covering.
1: Yes. or And or control over them.
0: Well, I don't know what your definition of love is, but that's <laughs>
1: say for the record this is my favorite type of movie movies where people are obsessed with someone yes i know i got very excited about this topic i love movies with someone saying you know i will not be ignored oh it's my favorite thing i don't know why but i love it it's delicious so i had a whale of a time with this topic From the bold and breathless international bestseller, The Collector, comes the suspenseful, disturbing drama of a strange progression. From thought to wish. From desire to obsession.
0: From dream to nightmare. How long are you gonna keep me here?
1: I don't know. It depends.
0: On what? On my falling in love with you? Because if that's what you want, I'm going to be here until I die. 1965's The Collector. And the star is Terence Stamp. In the book, which I, I read the book, it's yeah. um John Fowler. And what it's about, it's like an awkward clerk.
1: Bank clerk?
0: Yes. Okay. In Reading. And he just got this dreary life, and he likes collecting butterflies, and that's about it, and he just keeps to himself. And then he wins, like, the lottery, and now that he has the money and the means, he kidnaps the girl he's had a secret crush on, and stuffs her down in the basement. Yeah. He would just see her around town. In the book, he would, like, keep a journal of, like, Daisy Saller and Daisy Din.
1: I read that in the book, it's a combination of his journals and hers, or at least POVs
0: narration and then her got it yeah like she's journaling on some like paper that he'd given her mm. Please release me, let me go. in the book he's supposed to be a lot more awkward looking and kind of gangly and she's just the town beauty whereas he's being played by terrence stamp he's got those uh leading man looks but just the way like he stands and the way he carries himself and just his posture, I guess, just makes him just this awkward ball of insecurities where you completely buy it. Absolutely. You buy just how awkward and weird he is, and you also buy how just like right underneath of that is just like rage and danger.
1: And you know, it's easier to think in those binary terms of like, oh, a goofy or awkward looking person would be more likely to like have these, harbor these feelings, but- when he started talking to her about why he felt like he would never fit in with her and her group of friends and they would condescend to him. They're all da Right, la da he kept saying. I kept thinking of Elliot Rodger, the uh, Santa on. Barbara shooter. Who wrote his 200-page manifesto. The one who
0: ended his rampage on the college campus? Yes. Okay. So he
1: murdered his roommates and some other guy who happened to be visiting, and then he moved on and shot a bunch of girls and then killed himself. And he was targeting women, And but he had made these YouTube videos, and you can go watch them. And it's him saying, like, he calls himself an involuntary virgin, like a, a kissless virgin. And there's this internet term, and there are forums with these men who call themselves incels i-n-c-e-l-s involuntary celibate involuntarily celibate uh, mm. it's like a whole identity that they claim my whole point is meaning there's an anger towards women for withholding what they believe that they should deserve just as much as anyone else deserves and elliot roger talks about this kind of like it's these women's fault that they're not attracted to me and it makes me angry these videos are creepy because you're watching him talk about how he's going to kill a bunch of people and then he goes and does it. Mm. But he's not an unattractive person. He...
0: The thing that puts this in you is set before you're done growing into your looks, whatever your looks are. I agree. You can grow up handsome and whatever is in you that makes you an insecure ball of rage or, or what have you has already been set before you get, like, a good chin. Yeah, you know? I agree. That's what I think. More than that, And I'm sure if I read a good paper or two, I would learn all about the thing that I suspect, which is there's a lot of play with the class system in England. Mm -hmm. This takes place in England. Mm -hmm. And it's not like high, low. I think there's like a strata. And I think there's a post-World War II strata. And it's like he's over here and she's over there. And she goes to university and reads books and likes and art. And she's
1: in cosmopolitan London. And if you notice, his yeah, yeah, yeah. accent, he's like, oh, I wouldn't be in with your friends. He kind of has this, like, slightly hint of, like, a Cockney thing going on that I think is meant to intimate that he's a little bit less
0: I I, I wouldn't refined. I wouldn't dare to uh, guess the region. But because he's supposed to be from Reading, I wouldn't be surprised if someone was like, oh, that's the Reading working class accent right and there. And of course he
1: snatches her off the streets of Fancy Pants Lottie Da London and brings her to yeah, his well, she, country home. going to home. art school. Yeah, art school of all things. Ugh, who and does she think she is?
0: The room he keeps her in is actually a secret Catholic chapel from the days in which you couldn't be Catholic in England, which is interesting. It's like, oh, a little history lesson as he converts it into like... He tries to make it nice.
1: He buys clothes in the colors that he's seen her wear. He has like, hairbrushes and, and, and... Yeah. You know,
0: this is A scary part for me that's just like, oh, you're screwed, is when she like wakes up, she has chloroform. She's looking around the room. Doors locked, no windows. And then there's like a sink and there's a toothbrush in the box. Yep. And that's just like, honey, that's supposed to be for you. Yes. Because you're going to be here a while. Yes. And... The music and the look of the film—I'm just going on like the colors that they use and just like the film stock of the time. This was 1965. Were you as surprised as me to find a film from that era dealing with a guy who kidnaps a woman and just keeps her in his basement?
1: It felt so timeless in many ways.
0: Well, for me, it feels like a more modern story because I guess stalking. As a plot construct has really taken off and so has obsession. We, yeah. we see a lot more of it. Um,
1: I guess when I say timeless, I mean, it didn't feel, I mean, yes, the, like the technicolory kind of look of it and well, everything the, f- the, was dated, but the story felt very the, relevant.
0: Technicolory look of it just made it that much more jarring.
1: Yeah. Well, it was supposed was to be happening? in black and white, I think, but then they, I'm
0: glad they went the direction where same. they did for my sake, because I grew up watching movies from that era but the movies I was watching were like live-action Disney, which kind of looked... I looked it up. That was the same year That Darn Cat came out. Mm. And they both have that sort of bright, technicolor look. And the music, I know it's not like the same jaunty and fun like a Disney movie, but they're all still using the same like recording techniques from that era. Yeah. Where normally not much bad happens.
1: hmm Yeah. And then
0: there's this. Yes. <laughs> and then there's Terrence. To, there's young General Zod saying, like, oh, yes, I'll let you leave in four weeks, which I think in in the book, I can't remember, like, if they let you know that, like, no, he has no plan on letting her out, he's just stalling for time, but I think in the movie, they sort of set that up as, like, oh, we're gonna watch a movie about a guy who keeps a girl for four weeks, and she makes a calendar on the wall with her paints, and... She does not get out after four It weeks.
1: kept me guessing. I kept going back and forth between maybe he's gullible enough or something to like really let her go. And then I would think, no, he's very intelligent. He's done all this planning. He's planned it out so perfectly. There's no way he's going to let her go.
0: Don't be concerned. It will not harm
1: you. It's only me pursuing something I'm not sure of. Across my dreams. With of wonder, I chase the bright,
0: elusive butterflies. Do you want to take people all the way to, to the end of the collector? How did you feel I don't at that end? was ending?
1: anything else. Completely destroyed. It was so heartbreaking for me, honestly. For her.
0: Samantha Eggert. Oh,
1: she's just exquisite.
0: A lot of what we watch is her trying different ways to escape, she fakes appendicitis. Can't do that.
1: She's very smart.
0: Yeah. Um, so she, She's, like, getting a bath. This was all for the movie, the whole bath thing.
1: Right, I read that.
0: That was invented for the film, which is someone comes over to just, like, say, hi, neighbor. A neighbor, yeah. And she, like, reaches over. And she's tied up. She's tied up, but she, like, turns on the bathtub, and then there's a suspense. Like, you see the guy about to leave, and the water's rising, and then it starts spilling over. And then you think he's not going to see the water, but then he does see the water. he tries
1: to go upstairs to help fix it. And he's like,
0: no, no, actually, it's my girlfriend. She's so embarrassed. And he's like, oh, well then, I'll be off. And it's like, oh, well.
1: (sighs) Social norms.
0: But then she tries to reason with him. She tries to figure him out.
1: And then gets mad at herself when she can't quite play the game properly. You know, he's asking her about Catcher in the Rye.
0: Catcher in the Rye and then Picasso. And then, like, that's when he gets, like, the angriest. Because, and, and that's, like, a social education thing of just, like, yeah, well, I think it's nothing. And he just starts ripping up the, the cover of the Because she's saying box. to
1: him, I don't think you understand.
0: Yeah. You the, know, he he's like, it doesn't it.
1: make any sense. It's, this is, why of, is this art? And she's people, like, we have to look at it this way. And he gets, he just can't handle that.
0: And, and I think that just speaks of, like, a larger problem in his life that there's just, like, them and then there's me. mm in this world and everyone else can look at a Picasso and see something and I just can't
1: this is why this comes all of that stuff that we're talking about comes back can talk to the to girls
0: right and other people can't know what to say in the pub.
1: It comes back to the Elliot Roger thing. The shooter in his manifesto and in his videos, he talks about that. He's like, other guys are able to, he's like, I've gotten advice from my dad's friends and from other people, other men who have tried to tell me how to talk to women and it just comes easy for them, but it doesn't for me and it's not fair. And women give them attention, but they won't give attention to me and it's not fair. And he takes the responsibility completely off of himself and blames the other person. I was watching this movie through that filter just going oh my god
0: the problem most men have is they just plain straight up have no clue how to talk to women he doesn't murder her no she cracks him on the head with a shovel he goes to the hospital she's left like wet from the rain and she catches pneumonia and just expires in his basement
1: it's so sad
0: it ends with him watching a nurse and like following her in his van and then he's like well it was my own fault but trying to shoot too high. I need a regular girl. And you know, like, oh, man, she's going to wind up in that the That ending
1: was so crazy. Yeah.
0: For days after she was dead, I kept thinking, perhaps it was
1: my fault after all that she did what she did and lost my respect. Then I thought, no, it was her fault. She asked for everything she got. But I think Terrence Stamp is totally swoon-worthy, by the way. And I also spent yeah. 14 hours in a room with him and didn't... So my tiny anecdote is... Um, Hold
0: on. Showbiz anecdote with cat. <laughs>
1: That's right. So one of my first kind of like paying gigs in Hollywood was doing extra work like most people. And I... Oh, wait. I know you know this. the story. I know the story. I, I thought you did. The
0: thing is, I mix up Terrence Stamp and Malcolm McDowell mm. daily.
1: Understandable.
0: So I actually thought that in the film The Yes yeah. Man...
1: Yes, man.
0: That that was Malcolm McDowell. That was Terrence Stamp. Terrence
1: Stamp. So I was in a scene that wound up as an end credit kind of stinger in Yes, Man with Jim Carrey, where there is a kind of um, like a foil self-help. in the movie that's a self-help guru guy, played by Terrence Stamp. And he's very charismatic. He can convince audiences to do whatever he wants them to.
0: And they should say yes to whatever comes their way.
1: And so, the joke is that this giant convention crowd of 700 people has been convinced by him to give all their clothes to charity. So we're all naked. I mean, it was all of all shapes and sizes. It was quite an interesting, and uh, not to be... What did you sit on? Chairs?
0: Did, nothing, uh... Nothing between, uh...
1: Chairs? No. Well, I mean, Just if I must be explicit, next. I had pasties on. Oh, okay. For my, on my covering
0: Breasts, my nipples. Cat.
1: And then, uh, like, a nude G-string. Uh-huh. But a lot of the women had fuller nude underwear than I did, and I got more money because I was more nude. <laughs> and I'm not on camera at all. You can't pick me out. I've looked. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, I was watching The collector. For some reason, I didn't make the connection, so I watched the whole movie, and then I'm on IMDb, and I was like, "Holy shit, that was the guy that I spent Tyler a day." Stamp. Yeah, um, but a couple of other pieces of trivia that I found about this were um, William Wyler, who directed The Collector.
0: Yeah, he's got quite. Oh, he you know directed
1: what? Roman Holiday, Ben Hur. Yeah,
0: I think if they had gotten like a young, fresh, because this was '65, filmmaker who's been influenced by. The writings of the French and like what Polanski would have been at the time and been like, I'm going to use all these great angles and weird angles. I'm going to do it in black and white and it's going to be, it would have been, well, it wouldn't have been right. But to keep it in that like very traditional, what was at the time becoming old fashioned way of filmmaking, just sort of kept it in that world where things were rather proper. Yes. And therefore the act of kidnapping her was just an aberration, not only to... Normality and society, but to the very movie you're watching. Absolutely, thank
1: yes, you. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And he was such a respected filmmaker at the time. He was signed on to direct The Sound of Music, and like locked in. And mm. then when he he had read The Collector, the book, and realized there was an opportunity to direct the film that was being made, he abandoned The Sound of Music to direct this film. That's how much he wanted to direct wow. this movie, and I think it shows in how well done.
0: you went on to do Funny Girl. Oh, cute! So he got his musical in.
1: Also, I love I love this kind of thing. He purposely alienated Samantha Egger on set. Did you read about this? No. He wouldn't allow Terrence Stamp to be friendly with her because he wanted there to be like an uncomfortability between the two of them and also the director wasn't very nice to her, wasn't very gratiating because he wanted her to have a bad experience so he made her eat lunch alone he wouldn't let her, like I said, fraternize with Terrence Stamp so he didn't want her to have anywhere to go at the end of the day no person, no anybody to go to and say, oh I'm having a horrible time he wanted her to feel as isolated as possible and so Terrence Stamp talks about feeling bad that he had had to treat her that way but it seems as though it worked hey,
0: won't you play somebody somebody wrong song.
1: I am so thankful to you for suggesting this movie to me I have since strongly recommended it to my friends. I think it's excellent. It's so, so good. Yeah, it's
0: well regarded in certain circles, but you can go a long time without ever hearing about it.
1: Yeah, which I did. And, and, then, I, and
0: then once you watch it, it hits you like a like a brick.
1: It does. And I feel like it's the kind of thing where you could easily write a 12-page paper about it if you would watched it in film class in college. He's a butterfly collector. He tries to collect these beautiful things, and oh. then by the end of it, he's crushed her. And She's just another in, in beautiful the, thing. He's killed.
0: In the book, you know, it's a, like in the movie, she Tries to like come on to him and
1: oh, that he's was got hard to watch about
0: sex. And his narration to the reader, but not to her, is she doesn't get it. I don't have to touch her, I don't have to all this with her. Is just enough for me to have collected her and like that's,
1: and that's almost it. more screwed up, isn't it? Yeah, somehow. Yes, it's beautiful. Great film.
0: <laughs> While I miss my baby.
1: Um, One of the things I looked up About thriller versus horror, that like Mm -hmm. I was trying to parse that out for myself. And one of the explanations I read from different people was you know, thrillers deal in suspense versus horror, obviously, deals in fear
0: or gives you payoffs,
1: right? And I think for me, that this movie is it's all I mean, it's so suspenseful, but it also I mean, I kept thinking, like, God, this would make a great, like, two person play. Yeah, I I wonder if it has on stage. It it might have, it would be beautiful to watch. I
0: wonder if there's not just a definition of that this scenario which we picked a few films of isn't more often just considered horror when it's a guy doing it to a girl mm. and suspense when it's a girl doing it to a guy.
1: Except Fatal Attraction takes the cake for me for I think it's the most horror-like one that we watched.
0: When they redid the ending? Yes. Right. But before that...
1: when she, Didn't she just kill herself initially?
0: Killed herself and framed him by like having it be a knife that his fingerprints Ooh, were on. I didn't know that. That's more of a noir ending. Ooh, and mm. more under thriller than horror, and then they reshot it for it's just like a more classic horror, actually. Yeah. Classic, classic slasher.
1: I also, I mean, play Misty for me, some of those scenes got really, besides how ketchupy the blood was, were really violent and scary to me. But. Okay. But I see what you mean.
0: I would rather that not be the case, by the way. That just like man on woman's horror, and woman on man can't rise above thriller right. on, a, on a scary factor. Um let's just say it's still nebulous then. Mm. And I guess going as far back as we can always has been. Okay, you wanna go on to play misty for me? Marshall? Yes.
1: Play misty for me.
0: The most terrifying words you'll ever hear.
1: Play misty for me. The screen's most frightening plunge into terror. I have to get you all nice for David. I hope he likes what he sees when he walks in here because that's what he's taking to hell with him.
0: Just hope we're lucky enough to grab her the next time she tries it. Tries what? To kill you. The next scream you hear will be your own. That's the best part about (laughs) that actress. (laughs) Jessica Walter? Jessica Walter is that she went on to years later to have, I guess, a, a second career between Arrested Development and her character on Archer, she's just the greatest at playing like just this wonderfully domineering matriarch.
1: If I wanted something your thumb touched, I'd eat the inside of your ear.
0: And she does it better than anyone. She's incredible. But, But long before she was Lucille Bluth or Mallory Archer, she was, and I don't recall her name in it, but she was in Play Misty for me. Evelyn. Evelyn.
1: Evelyn is her name.
0: And this was not only starring Clint Eastwood, but it was the first movie he ever directed. And he made some good choices. The uh, studio wanted to change the title. Everybody wanted to change the title because they felt that the nature of the picture being a suspense uh, picture, they felt it should have a psychotic type title like The Screamer or something like that. <laughs> but I thought that just made it sound like a cheap movie to me. And, uh, and we ho- hopefully it wasn't that. So uh, we resisted that. You know, you never know if you're right or not. I always feel that the public has much more intelligence than the, the uh, movie uh, studios think they do anyway. Uh, the plot quickly. He's a, like a Lothario DJ. So here's this disc jockey. He, he does the night shift. He's into jazz. and he Oh, like,
1: this movie is so full of groovy jazz. Oh, did we say it came out in 1971?
0: 1971. So they didn't know it yet, but the free love era was wrapping up. Yeah. So, can you imagine how this guy has been spending his last few years living not too far from groovy San Francisco? It takes place in Carmel.
1: Let's put it this way. He's probably got the VD, as they, <laughs> as they said.
0: <laughs> so, he's used to playing it fast and loose with the ladies. But they know what they're getting into. Yeah,
1: they do. He's a disc jockey. He can't be tied down to one lady. Also, Clint Eastwood lived in Carmel.
0: He lived in Carmel. Use like his home and the, the home of his friends, businesses that he knew and some that like he So it's, it's really um, kind of a
1: love letter to his hometown in some ways. And by the way, the very first time I visited California was Carmel. My father gorgeous. and my stepmother got married there. It was the first time I ever stepped foot in the Pacific Ocean. It was on a rocky beach, just like the one where he goes on walks and stuff with his girlfriend.
0: It yeah. is, just speaking of like production value, just those rocky cliffs. Beautiful. Of Carmel and it's like, it was originally supposed to be set in Los Angeles. And, like, there's a lot of just, like, walk and talk scenes where they're not talking about the ocean, but they're just next to the ocean. Yeah. And it's so much better than any city street. It's
1: beautiful. And also, I feel like the isolation of the houses in Carmel really makes for creepy moments. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And more then than now, had a small town feel. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he was sort of like a a small town celebrity. Yep. He was the, the night guy on KRML.
1: He knows the bartender really well, played by Don Siegel, who oh. directed Invasion of the Body Snatchers.
0: Yes, and that same year, uh, Dirty Harry.
1: Mm, ah.
0: So they play play a fake game with, like, wine corks. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just to make girls come over and be like, what are you guys doing? Right. And it's just like, "Ah, oh, better uh, buy you a drink just while you watch us play. catching them fish. Yeah, <laughs>
1: Good lord.
0: So apparently he does this so much he just keeps all of these game pieces at a ready at the bar to give a girl an excuse to come over and say hey. Oh my word. Turns out she was there waiting for him. And they spend the night together, you know.
1: Like you do. Like you do. Can we talk about the place that he takes her back to? His place?
0: His swinging bachelor pad.
1: Oh my gosh. Which has it's like a
0: painting of him in it.
1: And like you walk in the front door and there's like a it's not a koi pond, but it's, like, in the same sense that it's, like, a shallow, like, little fountain-y type of a thing with, like, stones you step on to get into, like, living area. Once you enter the house,
0: did oh, you notice yeah. this?
1: It's crazy. Just so out there and hippy-dippy and, like, very nature-y. Yeah. You know? And,
0: and there's Clint Eastwood playing a, a rather Clint eastwood character. Tall, tough lover of jazz. <laughs> and uh, reader uh, among of on-air types. poetry. So they spend the night together. And then in these movies, now that we're done with The Collector, the rest of the movies that we're going to discuss and we're just like sort of straightforward, guy meets girl, girl meets guy... And it all starts well. Oh. And it all more ends than well. horrible. The
1: person seems, especially with the women, and Jessica Walter is a good example. It's a good way to kick this off. They seem like kind of fun and unattached and fancy free and kind of like, um.
0: And a guy just goes like, great.
1: I found she's she's the so perfect cool uniform. A unicorn. Yes, exactly. She's so yeah, cool. She when she it. couldn't be further from cool and she couldn't possibly get it less. And for me, that is what I love so much about this type of film is watching how well the quote-unquote crazy person does the, like, I'm the thing you've been looking for. And then how well they transition into cuckoo pants off the rails crazy.
0: Between the two, invariably in these movies, comes the scenes where things don't aren't near dangerous yet, not as far as anybody knows. But now they start breaking social norms.
1: Like when she's yelling at that guy who's telling them to keep it down late at night. Yeah, and or, she or just, just starts screaming at him. And Clint Eastwood's like, oh, uh, what? Hey,
0: people are trying <laughs> to sleep. Calm down. Close. It's like when they show up at their home unannounced. You know, she's like, I thought I'd make you dinner. He's like, what's the deal here?
1: And then he tries to get it under control. He says to her, maybe next time I call you up. I see what you're doing. Then you come over when I invite you. And she's like... Okay. And he's like, cool, got that under control. No, you don't, buddy. You really don't. She's like,
0: (laughs) We've got a date tonight, you son of a bitch.
1: Oh my god. And this is what I love, which is the outrageous lines that often come out of movies like this. Like, for example, when Jessica Walter's Evelyn character says, What am I supposed to do? Sit here dressed up in my little whores suit, waiting on my lord and master to call? I don't love anything more than shit like that. It's my favorite (laughs) thing. I love it. And she just pulls it off so well. She's so crazy.
0: Sometimes for me, though, like once it gets really crazy, once it's like life and death, I can relax because for me, what's the most just like is the social awkwardness of that in-between step. It's like, why are you at my work? You know? Oh, I just thought I'd, I'd bring you something. Yes. Why are you mad?
1: And there's an element of watching it as an audience member and knowing where it's going and knowing that the protagonist doesn't know where it's going. And you're like, catch on, dude. Figure yeah. it out. You're going to die. Someone's going to die. That is really but, stressful. But,
0: yeah. Yeah. And then he tries to get back together with like the girl who left town because of him. Because um,
1: of his and disc jockey ways. Because
0: he's, he's a cad.
1: Yeah. But, you know, he you get the sense he really is ready to settle down. He, he loves her. He does,
0: but it's too late. He tries to play it straight. I'm just trying to play it straight with you. Tries to play it straight with Evelyn. He tries to play it straight with, like, the girl who's come back into his life. And then you get the cloak and dagger deception, which in Fatal Attraction, it's when she poses as someone coming to look to buy the apartment. Oh, boy. And he has to, like, pretend to meet her for the first time. And she's like, you look familiar. And he's like, "Mm, I don't think so. I don't know how far ahead of the game you were in this when she's supposed to be locked up. Oh,
1: listen, let me tell you. I'm not usually the type of person who guesses or predicts these sorts of things yeah. in films. But I think what you're getting at is the fact that the girl, the the, the one who he who. really feels like he loves. Yeah, Toby. Toby has a rotating kind of like cast of roommates that you hear them talk about. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, what, your roommate Madeline? No, Madeline's gone. Now it's Carol. So roommate, roommate, roommate. And I did realize I was like, she says she has a new roommate. We haven't seen her new roommate. She's a new roommate. Like... Angela or whatever she's called. It it
0: ties in with a poem. uh, I don't know if he read it. Annabelle.
1: Annabelle Lee, Edgar Allan Poe. It's a
0: Poe poem. And he like puts it together. He's like, what is that line from the poem? And like the friendly cop who pretends not to like him, but you know that he really likes him. He's like a fan. He's like, try to remember that line from the poem. He's like, I can't, chief. Yeah. And then he does. Yeah. And he's like. Oh shit! Annabelle. Well,
1: I figured it out early enough that there was there was like there's this extended jazz festival scene that was interesting yeah. and felt kind of.
0: Well, remember this movie was right after Woodstock, mm. not n- not just the event but the movie. So if you've got yourself a nice little thriller or a nice anything coming out in 1971, and you can stick in a jazz festival in the middle, all the better.
1: My problem with the placement of the jazz festival. I wanted to be totally wrapped up in, like, whoa, this slice of life. Look at all these people dancing. Look at the jazz. This is fun. But I had already figured out that Crazy Evelyn was the new roommate of the girlfriend oh. and that Clint Eastwood didn't know. And I'm like, this movie is full of a lot of long sequences. And I'm watching the thing, and I'm like, this music's really hip and cool and everything, and I want to enjoy it. But, dude your girlfriend's gonna die you know i was just like worried about her
0: stop with all that jazz
1: (laughs) i see what you did there um also i love how full of those 60s and 70s zooms in and out that were so popular during that time
0: it just says like where cameras were as far as like being lightweight enough to like stick them in the car with you or walk them through a crowd at a jazz festival right we're no longer tied down to the hollywood studios yeah we're mavericks we're out there
1: One of the other things that stressed me out is how many times he should have just called the cops on her, uh, like when she showed up like a crazy person at that restaurant and ruined his business dinner and this amazing business deal he was making.
0: Apparently, that was back when you could just shove a girl into a taxi and be. And the
1: cabs, like, like, where am I going? He's like, just go. But I kept wondering, like, call the police? She's assaulting you and being aggressive. But then I was Imagine like, is that just that. the time? Is the, it just the times? It, officer,
0: this woman half my size is...
1: Okay, thank you. So you're proving my point. That in my head, I'm yeah. thinking, is it just because it was 1971 and, like, the cops are going to be like, can't you get your woman out of control? Like, is that what would have happened? Because nowadays, it's like, let's, if some crazy say- woman is acting crazy, you call the cops, you get her ass locked up.
0: Now, at the end of this, her weapon of choice is a knife.
1: Those scenes were hard for me to watch.
0: And this is... I know we've been talking about a lot of uh, just jazzy people who don't seem to see eye to eye, but the knives come out.
1: Yeah, not only in this movie do you get an extended sex scene to... The first time ever I saw your face. Out in nature, two people butt naked in nature just doing it in the grass, in the woods, in the waterfalls. I don't know why I'm suddenly Southern. Um... (laughs) That just—I was like, oh my god! These like naturist, like seventies, were communing with each other and nature. I was like, what is happening? This is the most seventies thing ever.
0: Side butt. That's what's happening, baby. Yeah,
1: it is. So you get that in this movie, but also you get some incredibly violent knife work from Jessica Walter. One of the things that I found really hard to watch, and I feel like you don't see very often in movies, is the defensive wound from getting stabbed at. Like, so they do that. Yeah. So they do that in um, Scream 4. There's a scene where the Olivia character is getting killed in uh, her bedroom across the way from the other girls. Mm. And it is still hard for me to watch. I've seen it a bunch of times. He stabs her right through the hand. Like, she's trying to get away, and it's awful. And in this movie, she gets. Clint Eastwood in the hand and you hear it slice his hand. Yeah. I was like, ha! Ah, like why? It's so oh, it's so violent.
0: Yes, now that one gets solved. This is at the end of the day still a Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah. He punches her right in her crazy face. <laughs> he does. She falls out a window. It's amazing. Down those Carmel rocks down to the Rocky. And she's floating
1: there in the
0: water, dead. Which, by the way, I do know this trivia. It was actually Jessica Walter. She wasn't just like, get a a W-5. No, not that fell. No, I know. But when it was like, let's look at the body in the water, she was like, okay. Wow, good for
1: her. Get in that water.
0: Also, I just got done watching The Crush, which is, you know, grown man versus 14-year-old girl.
1: Yeah, it is. And she
0: does pretty well for a while. But once he gets that lucky shot in, he punches her right off a carousel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and she, I know the carousel gave her some momentum, and I guess the punch gave him the rest because he's just like, pop.
1: There's something <laughs> so comical flies. about that punch to the face.
0: There, especially after like so many mechanisms have been gone through and deceit, and then you know how crazy the crush gets, and then just like punch to the face. I think we're done here.
1: Yes, agreed.
0: Which is also how Play Misty for Me ends. You get that nice extra touch. One, Clint Eastwood gets carried out by the woman. Yeah, not like Monster carry, but like just sort of like she's supporting him. She's got to support it. The way two, the first time I saw this, I thought he was trying to trick Evelyn by making her think he That's was. That's what I on thought at
1: first, and then I was like.
0: Then I think just the responsibilities of a good DJ.
1: Actually, no, no, no. I was confused why he would take the time when he had the ideas like, oh, no, my girlfriend's going to get murdered by this woman who I'm now realizing is her her new roommate and in the house. He stops to set a tape so that the radio doesn't go off the air. And I was like, go, your girlfriend's going to die. And then I was like, oh, well, this is all for the benefit of us hearing him say over the radio as his girlfriend's helping him out of the house. Like, you know, this one's for Evelyn, you know? And he plays Misty for her on the radio.
0: It all, like, as everything is wrapped up, we now get to hear sort of what started it all, which is like, and now Misty for Evelyn. (laughs) It's
1: a great moment. Yeah, it's so great. This movie is so worth a watch. Now, there are some movies that it's ever, just dripping in seventies.
0: Had you ever heard of this movie? Been no, but you, you know what?
1: As I after I watched it, I was mentioning it to all these people, and they're like, "Of course I've seen that." <laughs> but these were older people I was speaking okay. with, so not people. It, it not really people my set, age.
0: set the t- the template. Um, if you watch the opening of Cable Guy as he's like flipping channels, the scene where he's he's like. Hey get under control You're crazy And she's like You know your nostrils flare out Yeah When, when you're angry
1: Wow I've seen there. The Cable Guy A bunch of times That's What a great little God The Cable Guy Is just one of those movies So underrated I love that movie I. This is my type of movie I'm telling you That's part of the reason I love The Cable Guy so much
0: So, you can really see the template has been set for when... 100%. Um, fatal Attraction 100%, absolutely. Which, can we focus on the guy, the victim, and, and the collector is the least complicit. Yes, in, in she dis- is taken
1: against her will, and the whole time she's just she, trying she to find a way to get on. out.
0: She, no- she never like went on like one date with him and then didn't call him back.
1: She committed the crime of being beautiful, yeah, he's and like... And walking around being gorgeous. I sat next gorgeous. To on the bus
0: once. You That's know, it. In his mind, she committed the crime of not paying attention to him or yeah. not ever. Or
1: being too la-di-da.
0: So then you get into Play Misty for me and it's like, oh, it's a one-night stand between two adults. And then Fatal Attraction, it's a one-night stand, but you're married and you got a kid and...
1: He transgresses. He commits uh, yeah. adultery.
0: Adultery, He yeah. makes a choice. And then following Play Misty for me, when he tries to be like, well... <clears throat> I gotta go. She's like, well, just a second. And cuts her own wrists.
1: Holy shit.
0: And then he's stuck to, like looking after her for like another day and she's like, success. Mm-hmm. I got him to stay another day. In Play Misty for me, there's just a bathroom with blood all over the place. He's like, my God. <laughs> and then in a Fatal Attraction... It's like, stay just a little while longer. And she puts, like, her hands on his face to, like, And kiss you him. start
1: to notice blood. And
0: before he notices it, you notice it. There's, like, blood on his face because she's cut her wrists. Just to stop this guy from leaving. Fatal attraction. Gene Shalit of the Today Show calls it one of the most grippy. Do you have an affair? The- with her. Chilling. I'm not going to be ignored. Romantic movies in years. And Joel Siegel of Good Morning America says it's a steamy,
1: sexy, suspense-filled, sensational movie.
0: (laughs) Michael Douglas. What if she didn't get out of her system with that? Glenn Close. (laughs) Fatal Attraction. Rated R.
1: Fatal Attraction has been the subject of a lot of talk and academic debate because it's set in a very kind of potent time for this kind of discussion in the 80s and like booming New York and
0: it's when a whole generation got their seven year itch
1: totally and I read a lot about how interesting it is that the person we're rooting for is a man who's cheating on his wife his beautiful wife with whom he seems to have no problem she represents domesticity she wants this big house in the suburbs she wants to just live this beautiful life with him and then he's got this wild woman this career woman he
0: he gets a little scared of the way his life is going Mm -hmm. And then he's like, I'm going to go to sleep with a single gal.
1: Right. Apparently, people were con- – the studio was concerned that the audiences couldn't side with a man who was an adulterer. And so there was some effort made to make him a little bit more everyman, a little bit more likable, and to make Glenn Close's character just a little bit crazier. And so they kind of started to try to pull those characters to more – Extreme ends of the sure. of the scope, and Glenn Close has kind of said that in later years that she felt like she definitely wanted her to be a little less cuckoo crazy, but that's how what they asked her to do, and so also, she went for
0: her it her regrets are that and this is something we haven't we haven't mentioned nearly enough in a horror podcast little in this episode, which is these are people with just mental problems right and I won't be so presumptuous as to give these problems a name mm. Or say where, where they stem from. Right. That's really someone else's job. But at the end of the day, these obsessed people have mental problems, and there are people out there with mental problems.
1: Yeah, a lot of people kind of get up in arms about how irresponsible it is to the mental you know because you, you notice know, none
0: of these films are supernatural. There's no monsters. Right. In them, it's all just people whose motivations have taken a poor turn. <laughs>
1: For him, he's like, I don't want my wife to find out about this crazy lady. So he's just trying to sweep it under the rug. But in the 80s, I think it would have... I don't know if we said 1987 is when Fatal Attraction came out. I, I feel like his character could have said, like, after she slit her wrists... I need to get you to the hospital and to some psychiatric care because you're not well. If you're going to try to kill yourself at, after at a one point, night stand,
0: like, you need help. And right? I think even in play, Misty for me.
1: But his first instinct is to cover his ass, not yeah. to help her. By the way,
0: I know it's not exactly comical, but like this grown man going through the house trying to make it look like he was there all weekend. Oh
1: yeah, but rolling like, around in the bed. the bed
0: and like giving the leftover food to the dog. And
1: that poor dog I am 100% sure Spaghetti and meatballs Is not good to feed a dog I don't think dogs Can have onions And I don't know Any spaghetti sauce That's made without onions um, I'm very conscious Of what animals Can and cannot eat now As a pet owner
0: And in the end It's the wife Who kills um, She shoots George. her dead Because If it was Michael Douglas And he's like Boom Take that crazy lady With my unborn child It would have been like Oh Okay But that it was the wife who, you know, and by this point, she had already taken their daughter, their, like, six-year-old daughter, out for, like, a day at the fair and then brought her back, but, you know, still just, like, came in and took the daughter. Right. Came in and murdered the rabbit, poured acid on his car. Yeah, there's a a lot of these movies have the destruction of property phase.
1: Did you notice the little girl? I was like, why does she look so familiar? I... Do you know who she is? She's Ruby Sue from (laughs) Christmas Vacation.
0: She falls in a well, eyes go cross, she gets kicked by a mule, they go back to normal. I don't know. Do you know
1: what I noticed this time that I didn't for some reason notice, and I've seen this movie before? When he's drowning her in the bathtub, there's a shot with her eyes and they're like white, she's like white contacts in, and she looks like a total demon.
0: Who then, I guess for people who never watch, maybe people went to see this movie who never watch horror movies, because this movie is touted for it's, its great, you think the killer's dead, and then it springs back up again. Right. And Which I, is
1: not a new thing. <laughs> hardly original.
0: But I think it was a lot of people's exposure to it. Also, she didn't do the close the medicine cabinet and reveal her. She did the wipe away the steam and reveal her. Yeah. Slight variation. But, but very, total horror movie trope. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe that's all part of the reshoots. So on its own before the reshoots, it would have been thriller at best. After the reshoots with the you think she's dead, she pops back up and the knife and the shooting and the the mirror, that's what pushed it into horror.
1: First time I saw it was probably at least in earnest. I know I'd caught snatches of it and like you said, was familiar with the major it was a touchstones of it.
0: Big damn movie. Huge
1: deal. But the first time I sat down and really watched it was probably four or five years ago, and I did not realize the third act was gonna go that crazy. And I remember being like completely like I jumped.
0: Nothing in the movie would have suggested it because right. the movie was supposed to be going towards a whole different ending. Yeah, so crazy yeah.
1: and so enjoyable. It's so good.
0: From the moment she met him, she was crazy about him. I
1: love you, Nick, and you love me.
0: Now look, you're too young for me. There's nothing between us. But if she can't have him, no one can. The Crush, Rated R.
1: Next, chronologically speaking, is 1993's The Crush. Okay. You'd seen this before, right?
0: Yes, and then some.
1: It plays really well upon revisiting.
0: I was then and still am Alicia Silverstone's age. Alicia? Alicia. Sorry if she's listening. (laughs) Silverstone's age. So I can't work out the timeline as to when she was in the Aerosmith videos.
1: Mm, It's all kind of in there
0: it's like which she made first and then when was it released and then because videos can come out a lot faster than movies can but she was a little older when she did first the crying one and then crazy yeah
1: she was only 15 in in the crush in the crush so I think she was was slightly older uh huh
0: when she did those videos but like it takes a year for a movie to come out so yeah Alicia, if you're listening, call in <laughs> Straighten the <laughs> But this out. was all during so, the time
1: when America Nay, the world, was completely obsessed With Alicia
0: Silverstone Yeah, because those MTV videos would get played Over and over and over You know, you might catch the crush See it in a theater, see it on cable, what have you You uh, could see
1: the crazy video multiple we, times in a day.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I, I was completely obsessed with those videos. Those two music videos are two of the most potent memories of my childhood, for sure.
0: I haven't watched either in a while. Oh, but, um, God,
1: I have. I think Matthew and Daniel and I sat and watched all of them at th- th- some there's point. There's a
0: third one where she's just kind of at the end um, and like wearing like a, a virtual reality. Mm. And, and she takes it off. and We're like, hey, it's her.
1: <laughs>
0: this counts as a third one. Uh, but yeah, between, uh, between crying and crazy, uh, the, the world, uh, fell in love with her. And then she did, and then she did Clueless. Yeah. Clueless was after, like, two years, three years after all this, um, when we really just knew her for being that crazy, and smart, crazy mm-hmm. smart, she was, played as being a very smart girl, so, which is how we can really believe any of this, mm-hmm. like, she's like a piano prodigy, and. She got skipped several grades ahead.
1: In the crush, you're in talking about. In the crush,
0: um, this was the plot. Quickly, is uh, dashing young writer rents a room above the garage of a family, and the and young. And he's
1: the young writer is Cary. Always
0: Cary. Always, my really first time seeing him since Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't see him.
1: It, do somehow, else. you know, I don't, I didn't see Princess Bride until maybe when I was in high school. So to me, mm-hmm. the crush I'd seen the crush a. Trillion times before I saw okay. that. Okay.
0: So here's Dashing Carrie Always and the unbalanced, to blossomy. put it mildly,
1: yeah, little Lolita character.
0: Gal fixates on him. And in this one, his culpability is minor, but it's still there. He's kind of enjoying being worshipped. He's
1: indulging in enjoying the he, flirtation.
0: And she goes to, like, kiss him, and he doesn't immediately just be like, Ho there! He behaves like someone who probably used to be fat. You know?
1: <laughs> wow, you've really done it. That's,
0: I, I, that's, he, so, he,
1: that's so smart. He, I think he you're right. Like,
0: like someone who, when he was her age,
1: he couldn't have gotten a girl like her? Couldn't
0: have gotten a girl. And now, by the way, this was my, just like today, was my first time seeing it as an adult. When I used to watch it, I was her age, and I'd be like, well, who can blame him? But <laughs> now that I'm well older than his, his character is supposed to be 28, I'm just like, red light, red light, woo, danger. Yes. <laughs> it, remove yourself from the situation as fast as you know how. Yeah. So his character, while not as responsible for his um, being victimized as, say, Michael Douglas was in Fatal Attraction. He's still got at least one hand in his own undoing. But,
1: of course, there's a couple of relatively innocent moments of him sort of enjoying the flirtation, and by the time he realizes he's got to take drastic measures, it's too late. Her craziness is on display, and she holds a lot of chips in the game, and he's totally screwed.
0: The telegraphing of where the climax of the movie is going to take place (laughs) is incredible. Yeah. Which is, uh, Kerwood Smith, career-wise, in between being the bad guy in RoboCop and the dad in that 70s show, (laughs) says, hey, let me show you my hobby. Up in the attic, I've built a carousel. You know, there's a quick line about how we got it up there. I don't think the structure of the building can withstand a carousel
1: God, no. in
0: the attic. Okay, but that aside, he restores an old carousel, and he does it in the attic. And it's like, well, thanks for looking at my carousel. It's
1: such a melodramatic set piece. And this is, again, why I love these movies. There's almost never too and much it's... operating under the surface with this stuff, with the, the later ones. These, this one, Sleeping with the Enemy, yep. uh, Fear, which we'll talk about. It's just so beautifully like, oh, yeah, we're going to go there. There's going to be a battle <laughs> he, royale on this he, carousel. He,
0: he, it's not like they go to an amusement park and then fight on a carousel. The carousel's in the house.
1: Yes. Hey. It's, it is. It's amazing. Oh, You're it's right. So ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And I love it.
0: And again, they fight on it and he punches her so hard off that carousel. <laughs> and, and this is the one where, okay, so she lives and it ends. And on your recommendation, I watched Devil in the Flesh.
1: Yes, you did.
0: And both of them end with, okay, she's no longer fixated on the older guy. Now at the end of The Crush, now she's in love with her doctor and it's just like she's just going to keep on going.
1: I also love the scene in The Crush when the man she's obsessed with's girlfriend ends up being lured into being stung by a bunch of bees.
0: Yeah, in a dark room, which
1: which is incredible.
0: Now that it's all digital photography, there goes good dark room scenes. Mm. Which includes, like, developing the picture, and as it slowly comes in, you're like, it's the killer! I've taken a picture of It's a clue! Or, which this movie takes advantage of, because apparently there's, like, a picture of Alicia Silverstone. Um, Why she couldn't have seen that when it was in negative form, and then she's all surprised by it, I don't know. But anyways, uh, what it does do right is, if you left the photo paper in the first chemical bath and didn't move it into the second chemical bath, in enough time, it would turn Mm. black. Which is what it does in The Crush, uh-huh. because she's busy fighting off the bees, Right, and then it goes over to the picture of Alicia in the first chemical bath, first of three. The chemicals, if you don't put it in what's called the stop solution, it turns black. Cool. Yeah, and they took advantage of that little factoid. That actress who played the girlfriend, Amy, mm-hmm. the adult girlfriend, uh, you may have seen her before as Taryn in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. Oh
1: my- god you're she right. is
0: beautiful holy shit thick and bad
1: <gasps> wow i never put those two things together yeah that's incredible i'll grow up wow wow that's beautiful
0: Big deal, Laura, is that the guy gives me the creeps and the girl is my daughter. This is all about David. There's something wrong with me. But your problem with David, not mine. He's Mom. not a good guy. Well, this is gonna stop. Tell me you need me. I need you, David. <laughs> Relax, Steve. The friends are practically family. The guy is a psychoman something that everybody wants, but nobody has. That's why they're trying to keep us apart. Disappear from my family's life. You got that? Guess who? You should have allowed nature to take its course. In the end, it will anyway. So let me know out! Go to court! Lock your door.
1: Well, let's talk about Fear, which came out in 1996 and stars Reese Witherspoon and Mark Wahlberg, two people who are much bigger stars today than they were then, for sure.
0: Who plays the dad, Mark? Um, I think originally the movie was supposed to focus more on, like, the dad. Interesting. And then they got—who knew that they hired the great Reese Witherspoon, who at the time was just Reese Witherspoon? You know know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, you know,
1: she was also considered for the Alicia Silverstone role in The Crush? Crush.
0: I don't doubt it. Um, and William
1: Peterson William is Peterson. the name of the actor who plays the father.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I and th-
1: Amy Brenneman plays her stepmom in the movie. I love Amy Brenneman.
0: And they also didn't realize that, hey, Marky Mark can act. <laughs> yeah, he's great. And act well. He's so
1: scary in this movie.
0: And even if you don't like him, to me... It's all just training for Boogie Nights. Sure. Like, all these, like, super polite, but there's something under the surface... Yeah. ...character.
1: I'm okay with you doing. tying anything back to Boogie Nights. Yeah. It's such a great movie. Where
0: do I begin to tell the story of how great a life can be?
1: So, Fear mm-hmm. is about... The and we're we're doing a little role reversal here.
0: Now it's the guy chasing yeah, the girl. Yeah,
1: and with yeah. this movie,
0: fall, she love. falls
1: in love with him. Yeah, you know she's he's doing really well he's there. He's this older guy who doesn't go to her high school. Yep. he's out of school, and she's like she sixteen. She first
0: sees him at what I can conclude is the most dangerous sandwich bar in Seattle.
1: <laughs> sandwich bar?
0: Coffee shops. They they go there to order sandwiches.
1: Oh right, yes, correct.
0: They ditch class so they her and the guy and Alyssa Milano. It's not
1: a a place, it's a a bunch of rabble-rousers in this sandwich joint. To the most It's It's silly. I love how much you're giggling. All
0: the bad elements. I love
1: how much you're giggling during this episode because of how ridiculous so much of this is, and (coughs) you're illustrating why. And I love it so much. It's so it is. So much of it gets really silly. What
0: year was this? Ninety six.
1: Ninety six.
0: Just in time for Seattle to lose its relevance (laughs) in pop culture. Do they set the movie in Seattle and they're just like, oh, it's at a rock and roll show, or like some kind of rock rave? I don't know, I never went to raves.
1: Neither did I. I
0: expect them to be a little more electronic, but, but not at not this one. It's just like, hard Seattle rock. Yeah. And, you know, well, where do they meet? At a grungy coffee shop, of course. That's what sells. <laughs> That's what the kids like. Oh, God. If you weren't that aware in the 90s, dear listener, and you sort of take the 90s sort of all at once, as people tend to do with decades they weren't really a part of, know that on a timeline, America's interest in all things Seattle... Had waned mm. by '96, but I'm sure when this when the movie was in pre-production, it was full steam ahead. Right. It was all Pearl Jam and Nirvana and Soundgarden, yes. Screaming Trees, and coffee shops.
1: And though it was the set in, though it's set in Seattle, it has to be noted that most, if not all, the movie was filmed in, in Vancouver as well, well.
0: Part of the beauty of, of setting something in Seattle is you can then immediately double Canada for it. Yep. No problem.
1: Because it's lush and green, and Vancouver it's is wet. And identical and
0: topography. Green.
1: Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Reese Witherspoon falls in love with this boy, and there's this pattern that we keep talking about with most of these like outrageous first, ones. First, the
0: anger slips.
1: Well, first everything seems great. Oh, yeah, first. I mean, at least great. for her. And of course, with any parent, charming young man, with a young man coming home, dad's a little wary, but he seems nice, and the stepmom loves him. You know, she's like he's she's a nice kid. Charmed. But like you said, the anger starts to slip. He's jealous. He doesn't like her best friend. Doesn't turn out well for the best friend.
0: Oh, oh, the the guy friend.
1: Yeah, Reese Witherspoon's guy friend. No. Nor does it turn out well for her girlfriend, by the way. Poor Alyssa Milano. But in a different way. Doesn't turn out well for her. Oh, and there's also the destruction of property that you referenced, where he destroys the dad's beautiful red vintage car, and he leaves a note that says, now I've popped both your cherries? Yes. So ridiculous.
0: And like the others, he's not self-aware enough not to note, just like the ladies we've been seeing, and like the collector, but he's really off in his own category. Yeah, he is. Much like Fatal Attraction, play Misty for me. He still is motivated by his definition of love, even as things get crazy and crazier. You must think like, well, now you're in revenge mode, right? You're just out for vengeance. No,
1: you're- it's all he. He means it's still well. Love, even when he's carving her name into his chest. N- yeah, it's N- all about Nicole love. forever. forever.
0: Number 4, Eva.
1: E V A. Yeah, it's beautifully 90s yeah. and silly. And this movie has the distinction of being the only movie that we've talked about where a dog gets killed. Not the only one with an animal getting killed, yeah. but the poor dog gets if you decapitated. Were wondering it's awful. What
0: kind of movie it was. Oh. Once that dog's head comes in through the, the dog. door. That is
1: truly traumatizing. The dog's head comes through the doggy door and then whoever's holding it drops it and the head just flops onto the floor. Yeah. I fast forward through that part when I watch the movie because I don't like seeing it.
0: That, Poor dog. It's like if you've never seen the film, going into it, and I, I hadn't watched it in its completion until just today, I knew two things. That dog's head and the roller coaster scene.
1: Roller coaster scene set to uh, that cover of Wild Horses. Yep. It's so good. Yeah. How We're, about uh, that?
0: A round third.
1: (laughs) She has a really explosive experience on that
0: roller coaster. And then just his anger issues came up and he can't take no for an answer. This one's less mental illness, more a result of environment. It just says that he was bounced around from foster home to foster home, which there's a lot of kids who have done that. And I'd like to not say that that's the, just by hearing it, you must say like, well, they must be crazy then. Right. But it, it gave him a background of a guy who is uh, looking for his definition of love and finding it where he can. And then the last third of the movie is like one of those crazy home invasion films.
1: It is. He brings along buddies. Yep. And she's also, she's given him the alarm code because she trusts him. Yeah. Oh, God.
0: And then they slip him. Dumb a, girl. A real quick line. She goes, they can't get in. Remember, you designed this house. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. I did design this house and all of its security features. That's when the movie gets away from the love obsession and goes on to such things as the little kid gets into his mom's car and runs over one of the punks.
1: Yeah, it
0: it goes off the rails. It does. And then in this one, he dies onto some rocks by the ocean. That seems to be a good way to go out. It does. And it ends. This is one of those movies that when the monster is dead, it... And they do, like, a head count. It's like, little boy, okay. Reese Witherspoon, okay. Alyssa Milana, okay. Movie over. Yeah. We're done. Yes. This has been Fear.
1: This has been Fear. You have enjoyed Th- it. Drive safe. <laughs> I love it so much. It's a movie I watched a lot in my adolescence. And... I know lots
0: of the ladies are fond
1: oh, of Fear. Oh, yeah, we are. It's hard to explain why. It's probably problematic. There are probably some things about it that are problematic and complicated, but yeah, it was a big it was a big movie for me. A lot of feelings. A lot of feelings. <laughs> feelings. Nothing more than
0: feelings.
1: Trying to forget my
0: feelings of love.
1: And then we watched 2002's Swim Fan.
0: Ben Cronin thought he had it all. What's the letter for
1: Ben Cronin? The
0: letter is for swimming. But he never imagined... What are you doing here? One moment... okay, I want you to... ...change everything.
1: Surprise! You wanna pretend like it never happened?
0: You have 81 new emails. Picture received. I'm with Amy. Paramedics
1: just brought Amy in. She okay? Amy, where is she? She's not good enough for you,
0: Swim fan. Swim fan, being the only one of these in the age of the internet,
1: mm.
0: albeit in the nascent days of the internet,
1: such that it it was gives it was, a good giggle to watch it now.
0: It was far enough along because when the internet first came out, movies and TV would treat it like it could do anything. And then everyone started getting it in their homes. And by 2002, you couldn't just go on and say like, oh, she hacked into the mainframe and she needed more modem for her microprocessor. And that's how she did some, you know, impossible thing. Mm -hmm. But rather it was kept, except (laughs) I know that it would go, you've got mail. That was a thing. Yeah. But when he goes online at the library, every prompt has its own like, Enter password.
1: Oh, early internet in movies. Yeah. By the way, someone tweeted. I tweeted about you know swim fan mm-hmm. and someone responded that they remember as a promotion for the film you could chat with like the swim fan bot i don't know on aol or something like you could they had their instant messenger name or whatever yeah oh. apparently i didn't look into it or maybe there isn't any information out there but that's something that someone remembered i was like that's that's smart and fun
0: yeah this time instead of leaving a bunch of messages on on your answering machine she sends lots of emails
1: and dirty pictures yeah At he least clicks one.
0: on one out of eighty, and that's one with a dirty picture. So, what's in the other seventy-nine?
1: We'll never know. But will you give us a little summary of what the movie is about?
0: Um, guy, he's got his life ahead of him. Had a rocky past.
1: He did. He was in juvie a little.
0: Yeah, he's on the straight and narrow. He's a champion swimmer, a played lot.
1: by Jesse Bradford. Jesse by Bradford,
0: the way. who good career in the nineties. Yeah. yeah,
1: I always think of him. Bring it on.
0: I was always intrigued by his character in Romeo and Juliet. <gasps> He's always
1: Oh wow. Right? He's the young kid who brings news to Romeo that Juliet is dead.
0: And like, like he's That's
1: right. He's I forgot. at
0: the wedding. Yeah. They never really explain him very much. No. But like you you just look at him and you get his role and his connection. I
1: forgot. You he know? was in that. Yeah. The moment you said it. Wow. So you were saying uh, uh so, so, he's ne- he's seventeen, he's got his whole life ahead of him.
0: Yeah, and I'm a lot quicker to forgive a seventeen year old for an indiscretion totally he's like because why because 17
1: well we're still learning how to be honest forthright like good citizens good people to each other have good relationships have integrity when we're forming those aspects of our character when we're how do you say 17. no to a
0: girl throwing herself at you
1: oh man and, and there, saying there should be and saying that. to him basically she explicitly says to him this doesn't have to mean anything it's fine i won't tell yeah. anybody basically
0: so she gets obsessed with him follow the same beats social mores get broken
1: and he Just, has a girlfriend. And he
0: has he has a girlfriend, and there's a little bit of like him trying to keep her from it.
1: What's her name? Shiri Appleby. That's her name. Oh, the actress. Good Isn't on that you.
0: Right? Now, how about the swim fan, the title character?
1: Erica Christensen.
0: Erica Christensen, who previous to that I had seen in Traffic, mm. as the young lady who leaves home.
1: God, in I per- only saw that in pursuit once. Pursuit of crack. Uh huh. She's very good.
0: Yeah, and it turns out she's not only smart, she's dangerous. And so here's her backstory. Here's her like, dun, dun, dun. It's like the boyfriend that she says she has back in New York. Turns out he's in a coma. And when I first heard this, I was like, she did it before. That's her last victim. Right. Thinking it over? I think no. He was just in a car accident. She had nothing to do with it. I mean, she was there. Right. But this was, she wasn't like, if you found her a year ago, she wasn't just baseball fan at AOL.com. <laughs> That she now takes her feelings for the comatose baseball player and stuck them onto the athletic guy at her new school, and just transferred all that love and obsession over to him.
1: Mm, I like that theory.
0: Yeah, because there's just a line that said like she used to like play the cello for him, just like sit in the room hoping that he'd wake up.
1: But didn't the nurse also say something like? his girlfriend was in the car with him she was wearing her seatbelt and she got away scot-free and i was like well it sounds to me like maybe she that's what i thought at did first. have a part in it
0: but thinking it over i believe that if it weren't for the car wreck she'd still be with her baseball playing boyfriend and that it was that incident which pushed her over the edge sent her out into the world wackadoo and she eventually found a focal point for all of her crazy and it was jesse bradford
1: i like all the thought you've put into swim fan It makes me happy. It makes me genuinely warms the cockles of my heart. And that's what February and love and Valentine's Day is all about. (sighs)
0: Swim fan. After the video stores closed, we thought we'd heard the end of you. (laughs) But oh no. Uh, So long, Blockbuster. Take swim fan with you.
1: (laughs) And there are so, so, so many titles that kind of fall into this category of love-obsessed people. And they, you're right, they're all probably more thriller than horror, but I do think they warrant discussion on a podcast like this, if only because it's fun for me. And you. I love you because you
0: understand it Every single thing I try to
1: I love you most of
0: all because you're you.
1: No matter what the world may say about me, I.
0: This episode was your idea. Uh, it was a fun one. If you're listening to this episode on the day it drops, tomorrow's Valentine's Day.
1: We um, love you. Thank you for listening.
0: Unless you're listening to this later, in which, just have a good day. And thank you so so much for joining us. To order your collection of love songs, call toll free. In order to avoid COD charges, send 7.99 for the two record set or 9.99 for the eight track or cassette. To love songs, box
1: 7500. Satisfaction guaranteed.
0: So, cat, in summation of the movies.
1: I think the lesson is don't find yourself in one of these movies because things aren't going to turn well out well for you.
0: So, if you're the guy or gal out in this world, uh, most people aren't as casual about intimacy as you'd like to think they are. Mm. You know, you're like, don't worry, she's cool. She understands. We have an unspoken arrangement. I think
1: some people like that do exist, but I agree with you. I
0: think it's... um, Oh, they're out there, but like not as many as you hope.
1: And also, when people start to show you who they really are, believe them. When they start acting a little bit kooky, maybe be a little more on guard, or else it's going to be too late and they're going to try to kill your girlfriend with bees in a dark room.
0: I was going to say just feelings can get hurt, but yeah. Bees.
1: Feelings can get hurt. It's an important lesson, and it's you know, it's it's a simple lesson. Just treat people nicely.
0: And if you find yourself fixating on uh, something that might not be able to love you back, like a celebrity, right? then
1: maybe check yourself into a psych ward somewhere.
0: Um, That's a little insensitive. Concentrate on yourself. Yes, is what I say. I'd, I'd say a common thread throughout most of the the folks in in these stories um work on yourself don't worry they're
1: latching on to other people to fulfill something that seems to be missing other people's
0: opinion of them yes and other people's feelings towards them
1: yes instead Um, of working on loving themselves
0: yeah i'm not just saying like oh you know take a spin class and
1: although that could feel good too i don't want to take a spin class okay sounds like torture
0: dinner with friends Uh, work on yourself because they don't have what you're looking for.
1: Right. No one person is going to fulfill everything and make you a complete whole person. You have to do that for yourself and find somebody who compliments you nicely.
0: Yeah. And recognize that they're also on that journey. It's not like you're walking around and everyone else has it figured out but you.
1: Mm. That's a really good point. Thank it's you. I mean, it's not all. It,
0: it can certainly feel that way.
1: Oh. Absolutely. We're all the we're all the center of our own world and our own storyline. And it's easy to forget. I mean, in many ways, it's kind of comforting. Like when you you know, when you trip over a step, and people see you fall down or whatever, do something embarrassing. It'll stick with you for days, months. Maybe you'll flash back to it three years from now, and you think like everyone must remember how embarrassing that was for me. But really, most people are focused on themselves. So yeah. for the most part, nobody's pointing and laughing and going, "What a loser you are!" Ha ha ha! They're worried You're be about that their girl own who thing. Fell
0: on her butt.
1: Yeah. I've fallen down in front of people. It sucks. But you know that most people are not holding on to those memories of you embarrassing yourself and thinking of ways to point at you and laugh at you. People generally, I think, are generous they're and want you to do well. Worried
0: ab- yes. And they're worried about themselves. They're worried about themselves. I mean, I-, I can also say that people wish the best for you. But one would hope. Perhaps cynically or perhaps accurately, they're also just worrying about themselves. And if people see them slip, just yeah. to use your...
1: This has turned into example. a really lovely kind of like pep talk for each other and those listening, and I I, I kind of love it. Happy Valentine's Day.
0: Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> and as always.
1: Beware the moon.
0: Okay.